Hello and welcome to Latino in Chicago. This is your host, Eric Lugo. Today we're speaking with Juan Salgado, President and CEO of Instituto del Progreso Latino. Juan has led Instituto through a 15-year period of national award-winning recognition and growth by establishing best practices in education and workforce development. In 2015, Juan was selected as a MacArthur Fellow, also known as a Genius Awardee, recognizing his strong community leadership and innovative approach to education in the Latino immigrant community. In this episode, we learn a little bit about Instituto Services and approach to supporting community, Juan's perspective on learning to lead, and the importance of investing in education and workforce in the Latino community across the Chicago region. This, of course, is a special privilege for me as I began my career in the nonprofit sector at Instituto. I do hope you enjoy, and without further ado, here's Juan. All right, Juan, well, thanks for joining us today. It's great to have you on the new podcast, Latino in Chicago. Welcome. It's great to have you back at Instituto. So yeah. welcome back <laughs> to your home. Thanks, thanks, for sure. Speaking of, why don't we just start with talking a little bit about Instituto. Tell us about the organization's work and what it's up to these days. Yeah, so uh, well, so one of the great things about Instituto Preso Latino is while we hold firm to our belief that education is the power and freedom to live and enjoy the best that this country has to offer, we're always innovating, we're always creating, we're always thinking about what else we need to be doing to uh, create a new conversation, to create new possibilities for our community. And so I can go on about the specific things, but I tell you that they are in that vein of how do we help more people in better ways. Absolutely. So can you give us a little taste of the services that you offer? Sure. For youth and adults. Sure. The, the way to think about us is doesn't matter where you are in the learning process. If you don't know how to read and write your own native language, if you're an out-of-school youth, if you're looking to catapult your career into engineering or science or medicine, you know, you can come into a place like this and we will have something for you uh, along those career paths. And we'll have something for you that you know, gives you opportunities to step out and get a job, mm -hmm. come back, get more education, uh, and so we're creating pathways that are workable mm -hmm. for our community uh, in high demand occupations. Awesome. Like? Like healthcare, manufacturing, nursing is one of the areas where we've done a lot of work. Mm -hmm. We have over 500 people that have gotten their licensed practical nursing license uh, that are now out in the world making 24, 26, 28 dollars an hour. Others that have gone up the pipeline to become a registered nurse and a bachelor's degree nurse and a master's degree nurse. Mm -hmm. And we're working manufacturing, a high demand career right now that is changing where you really need to have a command of technology and you have to really have a command of safety and communication in order to do well in those careers. That's great, very mm -hmm. cool. Uh, and how did you find your way to Instituto Juan? Um, I, I think uh, the origins of me coming to Instituto have to do with a passion for doing community development. When I was, uh, actually when I was a young kid, mm. my community turned from a white community to a black community, and that got me thinking a lot about why. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and so, because I was asking a lot of questions about why, I ended up uh, studying economics, studying urban planning, learning about community development, and got very passionate about it. But specific to Instituto, is um, I, I, I was in Chicago right after graduate school and a friend of mine said, hey, uh, 
would you like to come volunteer? Mm -hmm. So I started giving citizenship classes here in the evenings. Uh, later on, uh, found other ways to volunteer, writing grants. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so when the position opened up, I was doing community organizing work for the Resurrection Project with Raul Raimundo. And I said to Raul, hey, what do you think? And of course, Raul said, you should do it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so he encouraged me to take on a leadership role at this organization that I had already grown fond of. Mm -hmm. That's great. And uh, what would you say drives Instituto's success? So uh, we, we often hear at Instituto think about what we call our secret sauce. And you know, I'm not sure there's much secret about it, right? You get dedicated people that are aligned to your mission and your vision you start to look at what's not working out there in the world educationally for your community. What are the unmet needs? Mm -hmm. You make sure you meet people right where they're at. Mm -hmm. And then you look outwardly to the world and you say, where are the opportunities? So in fact, if I meet people where they're at and I look out into the world and I can find the opportunities where they can actually get a job, where they can actually get a good career, mm -hmm where they can be upwardly mobile, mm -hmm. then all we have to do is make sure that we create the education solutions that close that gap. Mm -hmm. And we do it in a way that's extremely effective, that you actually get the outcomes. And, and by the way, so little of this is being done, whether it's figuring out how to meet people where they're at, mm -hmm. right, or figuring out what are those high growth occupations, or simply being able to execute well enough to really close that gap fast enough. And fast enough is really important. One of the things the Instituto is known for and is very proud of is the fact that when you look at adult learner or any learner, time is their most valuable, precious asset. Mm -hmm. And we in education, we don't make the most of people's time, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so every educator has to understand that that person's time is is, is just a treasure. And so you have to do everything you can to have the right mix of education, the right contextualization of material, you know, the right cadence in the subject matter, the right focus, in order for that person to actually um, go from point A to point B as fast as possible. Because the quicker they get there, the quicker they start making better money. The quicker they get there, the more time they're spending working, not in school, mm -hmm. right? And at the end of the day, that's why folks are coming here, because they want a leg up in the economy. They don't want to be in class forever, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I didn't, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so, you know, speaking to this issue of, you know, uh, maximizing people's time, right? And, and we don't do enough of that. You know, obviously Chicago's got some educational challenges. It's got some workforce challenges. What, what's your sense of the scale of that as it relates to the Latino community? Hmm, boy. Um, this is one of the biggest issues that our our city and region is facing, mm -hmm. and yet I'm not sure they're identifying it as one of the biggest issues our city and region is facing. I understand there's a lot of issues out there mm -hmm. that need to be dealt with. Some of them are they're 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 in our face every day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like every day, every weekend, kids are getting shot and killed, and we need yeah. to respond to that. And I wholeheartedly agree that we need to respond to that. But 
in order to respond to that, we better have a vibrant, growing economy. Mm -hmm. And critical to the vibrant, growing economy that we ought to have in order to solve any problems, in order to have a tax base for a good school system, in order to have thriving businesses that are growing, you know, in order to make sure that the population that's here does have opportunities for upper mobility, you had better pay attention to the Latino community. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't pay sufficient attention to these children who are one in four school children right now in the Chicago metropolitan area, you're going to find yourself behind eight ball, right? Fortunately, we've been, we've, we've, we've had some gains. The needle is moving. Is it moving fast enough? No. Is it moving for as many in our community as we know? are capable, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have a lot more to do. And I, the biggest challenge is the fact that I'm not sure our region's leaders mm. are focused enough on us. Mm. <laughs> and you know, it, it, that has happened now, mm -hmm. not 10 years from now, right? Yeah, absolutely. So to that uh, vein, I guess, what, what would you say Chicago could improve on? So I think, uh, let, let's let's start with post-secondary education, right? <laughs> because you know, everyone likes to start with early childhood education, which I agree mm -hmm. needs to be cared for, yeah. right? But you can argue that we've made some major leaps in early childhood education. You can argue that we've made some major leaps in high school education. We now have a graduation rate that, you know, I will tell you years ago when I started working here in these communities, yeah, you, you, they were dropping out more kids than they were graduating. <laughs> yeah. And we were seeing those students. And in fact, even five years ago, they were dropping out more kids than they were graduating. And so the growth in the graduation rate is phenomenal. That's great. And we are putting more kids in college. Yet, we got to make sure that college results in something. <laughs> because the last thing these kids need is to start school, get some debt, and not finish. Yeah. The last thing these adults need, we have a lot of adults out there that are capable of post-secondary education, but the last thing they need is somebody to tell them, oh, college isn't for you. No, mm -hmm. college is for everybody. Yeah. College is for the adult student that's been out of school for 14, 15, 20 years, right? College is for the kid who left school, dropped out for whatever reason, and is now back in school, and yeah, colleges for those kids that want to catapult into the highest professions um, in our country, in our society, right? And so, but, but, but what kind of college, right? So we could do a better job of making sure that everybody sees post-secondary as a destination point. We can also do a better job of making sure that everyone has better counseling and advising that allows them to pick the right path for them sooner. And in order to pick the right path sooner, you gotta be exposed to things. Mm -hmm. You see, if you're in high school and you've never tried anything out, then you get to college, you have no idea, mm -hmm. right? So we gotta get kids in different places so they can try things out. Get them in a morgue, get them in a hospital, mm -hmm. get them in a business setting, get them in a, you know, already an education setting, right? Mm -hmm. So, but get them in these different settings so that they get a feel for what they might wanna do. They can start to refine their career interest. What makes our nursing program incredibly successful, and we're dealing with adults that have been out of school for a long time, mm 
is the fact that they are very clear they want to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And because they're very clear they want to be a nurse, and they're in a cohort with a bunch of folks that want to be nurses, they have a purpose, they have a goal, they have a destination point, they have a group of supported people, they have an organization behind them. No wonder they're successful, right? We got to get our young people there so they're not spending six, seven, eight years in college because they're not sure where to go yeah. and, and they're not sure what to take, right, in terms of courses. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what do you think Chicago is good at? What are the things that we are starting to get right? Yeah, so I, I mentioned a few yeah. of them. I think yeah. systems we're starting to get right. Mm -hmm. We're starting to understand as a city what's driving the data. We're getting better at data, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you look at now uh, what Chicago Public Schools has done, right, to actually collect data and disseminate data and understand data, you know, we now know that freshmen on track, for instance, mm -hmm. is a key indicator towards the dropout rate, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't know that before, but mm -hmm. we started collecting data years ago, yeah. looking through that data. And so these things are helping. It's just the effort that was launched last week by the University of Chicago, uh, the to and through project, mm -hmm. which is now collecting a whole bunch of data yeah. related to post-secondary education and which institutions are the ones that graduate more students, mm -hmm. right? Which higher ed institutions? This is great because now places like mine, you know, we're going to send kids to the schools that have a better than 50% completion. Yeah. And those institutions that are down in the 10 or 12 and 20% are going to get very few kids, yeah. right? And so the natural, uh, you, you look at today, University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana up in enrollments. Mm -hmm. University of Illinois Chicago up in enrollments. Yeah. Every other institution down in enrollments. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that the case? People kind of already know what the data shows, but once you have the data, then there's a marketplace of information yeah. that drives consumer behavior. And so I think we're doing data better and we're doing accountability better. I'm a proponent of student-based budgeting in schools. Mm -hmm. you know, now there's a lot of folks that believe that's not something we should do, but let me tell you something. This is really important because <laughs> by the way, without student-based budgeting, Schools don't have an incentive to try to keep their kids. Why do you think the graduation rate went up so fast? It's not just because freshman on track is a great indicator. Right. It's also because if you keep that kid, you keep the money. Yeah. So work hard to keep the kid. <laughs> don't just kick him out because he made a mistake. Yeah. Obviously, shows up with a gun or a weapon or you know yeah. does something that really warrants suspension and expulsion, you gotta suspend and expel them. Yeah. Expel them. But don't just be kicking kids out for whatever reason because you don't want them in your classroom, yeah. right? Yeah. So these things have had, I think, a positive effect. That's great. Mm -hmm. Very cool to hear. Um, let's transition into leadership a little bit. And you know, before I ask some of the questions here, you and I had a fun set of conversations over the last couple of days, actually. Um, and I heard you talk about a couple of things. One was mentorship. Mm -hmm. And, and I, that was, there's a story I'd like you to maybe share with us here. The other is, you told a couple stories about your father. Mm -hmm. One was about cheese. The other was about uh, cheese, your family right? name. Yeah. <laughs> and, and these things to me feel like they center a person and they help shape a leadership style. I wonder mm -hmm. if we could start by maybe talking about mentorship and maybe reflecting on your father a little bit. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Uh, 
we, we had, Eric, you and I had this conversation, right? And I, um, without any prompting, I said, well, you know, I, I don't, I can't really tell you I have a mentor. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of mentors. I have picked things up from this person, a little bit from that person. And I've never been in a situation where I've said to someone, I want you to be my mentor, right? And, uh, and, and, and I've, I've, I've never, I've just never done that, right? Mm -hmm. What I've done is had a natural mentorship relationship with lots of different people mm -hmm. where I think they know and I know that they've been a mentor to me mm -hmm. but it's it's not that you take everything from that person mm -hmm. because each one of us is a unique human being we have our own approach you take mm -hmm. pieces from every person mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you know you craft uh, your own way of working mm -hmm. uh, based on what you took from lots of folks yeah. And so that's a really natural way of going about life. It's also, by the way, a heavy burden when you have to be a mentor and mentee to somebody. Yeah. And at some point, it runs out. You know, the interesting thing about mentorship is at some point, sometimes the roles get reversed, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is great, you know. And so if it was never a mentor-mentee relationship, when the roles get reversed, it's quite natural. Mm -hmm. It's quite natural ebb and flow. It's relationship building, mm -hmm. right? It's the kind of um, you know relationships that you want to have that are kind of lifelong. So yeah. that's what I would say about mentorship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know, a question you know that I think is interesting to ask leaders who are currently experiencing success and dealing with the day-to-day -day reality of nonprofit organizations is, uh, what do you wish you knew before you got this job? Mm. What do I wish I knew before I got this job? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. There's anything I wish I knew, and I want to say why, because the way I lead is by learning along the path. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily the kind of person that you can tell oh, be careful with that and watch out for that and I'll actually pay attention to it. I'll be like, yeah. be careful with that. Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be careful with it, right? And so, um, and so I think one of the things that's made us effective is the fact that we, we haven't uh, been concerned about making mistakes. We haven't been concerned about what others uh, may think. Um, we've been concerned about how do we really put together a product that works for our community and stay very, very focused on that. Um, I suppose the, the, the only thing that would have helped me early on was having access to a lot more capital. The thing that's held us back is just not having enough working capital mm -hmm. in the organization. Mm -hmm. So, yep. That's great. And um, what would you, type of advice would you offer for folks who want to transition into either an executive leadership role or kind of grow up in the nonprofit space? I'd say the number one thing is you really have to know yourself. The key to being a good leader uh, in an organization is not that those of us that are leaders are all the same. Mm -hmm. It's that each of us knows who we are. Mm -hmm. And each of us knows 
how we lead. And uh, the second thing I'd say is absolutely create a supportive network. The thing that has helped me tremendously is that I've led during a period in Chicago where Latino leaders have created a supportive network. Mm -hmm. And I can point to so many different times. And I know I was a part of that network, yeah. right? Uh, and so I know it's there. And future leaders have to choose to tap into it, right? Um, choose to build upon it. And I would say choose to build upon it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing would be is you get your name out there beyond your community. Right, your name being yours and your organizations. Right, mm -hmm. make sure that those players that are outside your community know not just what you do, but what you value. Mm -hmm. Okay, and make sure that they see in your decisions your brand, your integrity, your honesty, your thoughtfulness, your ability to look beyond yourself. These are all things that people like to see in leaders mm -hmm. and so um and and others mm -hmm. right make sure they see your brand in you not just what you do that's great mm -hmm. that's great and uh, i know you like to read a lot uh what what books are you reading right now mm -hmm. what are the things that are kind of front and center for you and how is that informing your work i've been so so since i've been a macarthur fellow i've been reading all this stuff that you know macarthur are writing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm meeting Matt Desmond's evicted book. Okay. You know, I'm reading Tana E.C. Coates's uh, literature okay. and books. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm enthralled uh, right now in a world of thinking about poverty. For many years when I was in school, uh, that's what turned me on to this, mm -hmm. was reading about poverty. And then I got into the work world and I was about doing things to get people out of poverty. Mm -hmm. And now I'm coming full circle. And I was reading very little, actually, about poverty at that time. I was yeah. reading more about organization building, and, yeah. you know, leadership. And now I'm reading almost nothing about all those kinds of topics. Yeah. I'm reading about the actual things Right and and, and, and and rethinking, mm -hmm. right? When you when you read Tanahisi Coates' stuff, yeah. Yeah. it makes you think like, you know, we uh, we have a debt to pay. Yeah. We have a debt to pay that's pretty pretty large debt. And and our and most of our nation's not thinking that way, right? And how do we pay it, right? Yeah. And when you read Matt Desmond's book, right, uh, it's it's pretty striking mm -hmm. yeah and, and and you know i'm someone who believes that you know there that, that poverty can be very expensive right yeah. but uh but when you see these examples of how expensive poverty is right uh in certain places and uh and so you know that's uh, that's i think a challenge for our community too mm -hmm. like we're living through some very difficult times ourselves mm -hmm. um and we need to be telling the stories yeah. <laughs> too in uh, creative and useful ways that helps others in society really begin to understand the challenges that we face. Yeah. Well, aside from the case for reparations that Ta-Nehisi wrote for The Atlantic, I've actually been reading his new comic book, The Black oh. Panther. I've got a few copies if you want. I'm not reading the comic. <laughs> You're not reading the comic. No. So. <laughs> Between the world and me, I'm reading that. Uh -huh. Right, gotcha. 
Um, so what's your, what's your vision for this organization and, and, and I guess to a greater extent Chicago? Yeah. So you asked me about my dad before. Sure. So I'll weave him in here. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because, um, my dad was, uh, was the founder of an organization called Latin Americans for America. He's a he's a he's a U.S. born, you know, Mexican raised, come back to the United States, mm -hmm. go to Korean War. You know, he holds two flags mm -hmm. in his hand with great pride, right? Uh, he also, I'll tell you the cheese story now, right? <laughs> because uh, you know, he, he'd always tell me when 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 the government gave cheese and it was his job to give it out at the church. He'd, he'd just go on rants. He'd say, son, cheese drives people crazy. You know, it's like, I don't want any of the cheese, right? Now, I understand the need for the cheese mm -hmm. because, you know, people are hungry. Yeah. And my grand, my father, his father, went through the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And he told me stories about what real hunger is in the Depression. And so I know hunger. Mm -hmm. So we ought to have cheese. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever, you know want to take the cheese mm -hmm. because you know cheese drives you crazy mm -hmm. and uh and what he meant was you know people in poverty can't take the cheese for too long they need to have something that gives them opportunity mm -hmm. and autonomy mm -hmm. and choice mm -hmm. right they need to have jobs mm -hmm. that give them you know an part of their identity, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so what he meant was these things were so important. So when I think about, you know, a vision for society in the future, I'm thinking about holding together this idea that we can be Latino and be American, mm -hmm. right? Holding together this idea that, you know, we can't be, we, 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 we'll need to support each other when sustenance is the issue. Mm -hmm. But we really need to support each other so that sustenance isn't the issue, yeah. right? And, and, and I think, um, you know, I, I think uh, overall, uh, we need to think about productivity at every stage of life. Yeah. And so maybe there aren't a whole bunch of jobs for young people like there used to be, but there's a heck of a lot of things that young people can do at age 12, 13, 14. I was working at age 12 for a dollar an hour washing dishes, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't want my kid working for a dollar an hour, but I'm gonna have him working, mm -hmm. doing something productive to help society at the age of 12, 13, 14. We need to get young people, yeah. you know, back into the means of production earlier on in life. Yeah, absolutely. And how would you say folks listening can help support that? Um, I think as it relates to our community, uh, I think the most important thing is to reach out to organizations like ours. Mm -hmm. We are the mediating institutions mm -hmm. where any number of things you know, can come together. Volunteer opportunities, mm -hmm. opportunities to donate funds, mm -hmm. if that's so you're so inclined to do that. Mm -hmm. Opportunities just to come and learn mm -hmm. <laughs> about what our community is doing, right? Opportunities to connect. Uh, you know, we, 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 we're going, I'll give you an example, we're going on medical missions, we've got 24 to 30 kids every year go on medical missions to different parts of the world, to India and Haiti and Latin America, and why? Because one woman 
decided, heard us speak, came to an event, mm -hmm. decided to come here and say, I want your kids mm -hmm. to come on missions with me. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, that's what it takes. Yeah. It takes somebody like that to say, I want to connect to you yeah. and then to make it happen. That's a great place to end. <laughs> thanks so much for the All time. All right. Mark. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Thank as you, Eric. All right. Peace. Yep.